Hello everyone, and welcome to the altar. It has been a minute for myself, Base Heisenberg, a.k.a. Ben, a.k.a. Rocky Mountain Juhanin, and I am joined by my compatriot, who's currently getting a drink, and we'll be back momentarily, Max, a.k.a. Less Racist Max, a.k.a. Encaparato. So tonight, Max actually went through a legitimately insightful discussion on, it is Frank, oh shit. Frankie baby, what's up? Hey guys, do you hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, because I'm trying out these earbuds, and I don't know if uh, if they come in sounding shitty. You sound you're you sound like you're coming in from Air Force One. They sound fantastic. Fuck, it's Frank. Oh. It's Frank. Fuck yeah! I saw this happening. I had to be a part of it. You wanted to be a part oh, of yeah, our brother. Orthodox Christmas. Thank you, brother. <laughs> yes, and I, I also came to complain, like I did tonight on the show, that uh, we're going to be missing out on the the Passion of the Christ uh, sequel. Really? I thought it was going to be coming out this Easter, and I just saw a report that Mel has only just begun to shoot it. Really? Oh. Come on, Mel. Wait. Come okay. on, Mel. How is there a sequel to The Passion of the Christ? Though? Yeah, I was going to well, say. Well, was... you get the resurrection now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. is he using the same cast? I mean, it's been like a decade. Yeah, Caviezel's, com Caviezel's coming back, yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm, hey, I'm, I just thought we had something to look forward to uh, for Easter. For, I know it's Orthodox I mean, Christmas time. But... I mean, John Wayne okay. Moore is coming out in a couple months. Ooh, I have never mind. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Like <laughs> Jesus did go John Wick, apparently. He did. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm hoping to see actually in the in the new one. Anyway, I didn't make I don't want to make this too religious. That's all right. Well, okay, can I say to celebrate Orthodox Christmas uh today? Uh well it's Christmas Eve, right? Um I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna not... be real. I I know it's around this time. But I have no idea. <laughs> okay, let me give let me give you an astronomical explanation here. Okay. okay, um, the the winter solstice plus three days represents. So when this this is not like a secret. Um, I, I should say for the religious people who are watching. Okay, this is this is um, this is an open secret. I guess I would say the early church did not know the date of Jesus's birth. Okay, they did not have access to planetariums or astronomical calendars or anything like that that could give them the exact date based on um, the information that they had available to them in the Gospels. And so they chose as after the winter solstice. Okay, um, now you add on to that that they did know that it was 12 days after the birth of Christ, that the Magi arrived, that Jesus actually got his presence, okay, from the Magi, you know, the frankincense and myrrh and gold, etc. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's where we get the song, the 12 days of Christmas, right? The 12 days of Christmas are not from December to December 20, December 1st to December 25th, okay? That's not the 12 days of Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas are from December 25th to January 6th, which Correct. is when the Magi actually arrived and uh, delivered the presents uh, to the young baby Jesus. 
uh, with his, you know, baby Einsteins and everything. It's, like little, it's little Christmas. I just want to yeah. real quick remark on the irony. So I appreciate everything you're saying. You're explaining Christmas and the holidays to two New York individuals, one who is Catholic and the other who is Jewish. Frank, are you Catholic? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's cool. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just remarking on the irony of the moment. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. I, I just I'm, and I'm, I apologize for my typing. I just wanted to get the link out to people so more can show up. Maybe. Oh, absolutely. No, that's fine. Sorry, Max. No, I, and, I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead. <laughs> absolutely. And and um, you know, Frank, I'd I'd love to explain. So I I've done an entire analysis um, based uh, on the Gospels on when. Um, Jesus's birth actually occurred, and it would be June seventeenth of three BC. Okay, I've I've heard the three BC, and I've always heard people kicking around June. Now, is this all based on celestial activity and trying yes, to match? Because because okay. the the gospels say that um, there was a there was a census in Rome that was occurring. Okay, and then. There was uh, a lunar eclipse that occurred during the um, reign of Herod, who was the the uh, king of Judea. Um, and then there was the star in the east. Okay, but this this is the most nebulous part that people disagree about the most, and a lot of people say it could have been a comet. A lot of people say it could have been um, a supernova or something like that. But we have Chinese sources that say there was no comet or um, supernova during that period. And the Chinese were pretty good about that. Um, and so what did occur was a conjunction between Jupiter and Venus, um, which is when the two planets actually are so close to each other, they appear as one one object in the sky to the naked eye over the star Regulus, which is the king star in the heart of Leo, the lion, which the lion represents the kingdom of Judea. And and so we have the Regulus, the king star in the heart of um, the lion, the, the king of Judea and uh, Jupiter representing also the king of the planets or the king of the of the ancient roman gods um conjuncting with um venus which would be the virgin or or the the aphrodite um in the greek tradition um together in the sky um that occurred on that that june date um so i i would say it because a lot of that sounds so familiar now because last December, I had a buddy of mine, Timothy Alberino, come on the show, and I, because I wanted to look for Christmassy things to talk about in December. So one of the things I wanted to do is bring somebody on that can talk about the the Christmas star, you know, everything about what was going on in the skies at the time. And um, he came on and talked a lot about a lot, everything you were saying right there. Um, well, there were actually three conjunctions. Uh, there were three conjunctions between for the nine-month period leading up to that, and so like you have the entire gestation basically being like this this conjunction period of you know Regulus and then going back and forth. I'm I'm sure he's he's read the same books I I have and stuff like that. I, I just think that because you're already so well versed on it, you, you would probably get more out of 
listening to that than I did at first because you know it, it might peak some you know peak uh, or what, what bring was this, some... uh, what's the name of the the guest I'll look for I'll look for the the show it was from December of 2021 so okay. I'll I'll go look for the show and I'll I'll send it to you you listen to his interview and tell me what you think because I I just I'm so interested in that um I don't ever really discount any ancient holy books for any religion as purely mythological that there's nothing to be said about the history of the time and like, I, I really do believe that there's a lot of really awesome easter eggs in there no you know easter eggs in there just for human it's, we got to consume all that stuff and try to try to piece together well, the past okay. yeah absolutely prior prior to um uh, this this is one of my like like actual academic things i work on um lately is is been um the ancient people celestial navigation celestial um date keeping was their only means of date keeping and so noting the equinoxes and the solstices uh, etc um eclipses and conjunctions was their means of keeping dates and so um that this was important to include in the gospel that there was a star and et, et cetera. Um, they, they might not have had the language or it maybe it got lost in translation at some point um, or, or something like that to, to note the exact date, but it was significant to them and, and they were totally paying attention and they're much more sophisticated than we give them credit for uh, now, or most people would give them credit for it today. You know, people think about like sewers well, and, let me ask you this thing and stuff. Let me ask you this then. Who who was the one to make this it wasn't the Vatican that said, oh, okay, well, year zero is this is this year? Like there's someone who was the one to actually hit the reset button that that brought us from BC to AD. And I, I want to know was, how they It was three hundred and twenty-three years after the fact at the Council of Council of Nicaea adjourned by the so why would they be off why would they be off by three years that you know they're 1700 years closer to the events that you know jesus's life and and that would they're 1700 years closer than we are why wouldn't they have known the exact year well um i mean there was a lot of uh difficult times in between zero and 300 bc <laughs> right yeah yeah i wouldn't want to live and so they they were off by one percent right if if you were keeping time by just counting the solstices and you were off by one year every hundred years that's, that's pretty good bad. that's not bad that's Actually, I can see how that happens. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's like they were, they did the best they could at the time. Only now, uh, contrary to flatter for beliefs, um, only now do we have like sophisticated enough simulations. And like we, we have the historical dates of all these eclipses going back for, you know, several thousand years at this point that we can recreate the celestial um timing of stuff we know that there was a lunar eclipse um just prior to um jesus birth as visible from um the levant um and uh, so contrary to people who've watched the zeitgeist film on youtube jesus was a real person he was born 
he he was died he was crucified there's more historical accounts of him than julius caesar um and the the uh um what was i getting at though um the 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 solar eclipse that occurred during his um crucifixion was hmm. uh, another way to date things correctly hmm. ben isn't this isn't this interesting this is very interesting. I actually like, admittedly, my mind was wandering towards something else a little related to like celestial stuff in the sun, but it's a complete tangent off what we're talking right now. But like, I find this very interesting because like, I don't know, like the thought just crossed my mind, like maybe part of the reason we have so many historical events that were accepted by, if we're going to say the Council of Nicaea. Like, if they were using celestial charts and information to try to backtrack, like, it would make sense that so many of these events, I mean, either did truthfully occur around these events, or, like, there's enough collective, I guess, memory stating that it happened around that time, or they remember that happening maybe the same year. And I don't know, like, I just, I guess I was just kind of thinking about, like, how what kind of time slippage we're actually talking about there. So. Hmm. I, I've seen more significant evidence for the time slippage uh, in like the late 800s mm -hmm. than, than for like the early Roman Empire, right? There's, there's way more, um, there's way more written evidence during the early Roman Empire than well, there because is. Because the early Roman Empire was a business yeah business records like <laughs> that's why they were so good at record keeping they wanted to make yeah, a lot of good stuff so Indeed. can i say for, for orthodox christmas i've got my my moscow mule out okay and and i've got uh my made in russia kalashnikov out okay yeah. <laughs> of course you would you know i actually have I actually have the copper mug. So mine's Bulgarian, got, but still Orthodox. I'm okay, the only one that's that unarmed right now. That's okay, Frank. You just got to escape New York. I have a shotgun. I just don't have that. I'd love well, one of those. New York, New York got some good news, didn't it? Yeah, it, you guys, like, hold fast. You guys will be free. <laughs> really? What's, what's happening? Wait, the, well, the, my uh, Made in Russia scope covers up the, the um, writing, but it's it's Made in Russia. Hell yeah. So, I don't know if you heard, but the red flag laws that were passed in New York were struck down today. I did not know that. Let me go find that link for you. That's terrific. I'll, I'll put that in the in the, the grab bag for tomorrow night. Oh. Yeah, I, uh, I read that earlier, and like I was thinking of like topics we could talk about tonight, and like that happened, and I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, and while you're getting that, I put into the chat room for... Um, for both of you guys, <clears throat> but uh, that is the episode. It was December third of last year, and uh, Timothy Alberino came on to talk about the Christmas Star. And I'd I'd love for, especially Max, to let me know what you think about his his interview and his breakdown there. But I think everybody would. Absolutely, yeah. No, this is uh, this is uh, the the stuff I've been working on lately. Which um, which uh, is it? The chat, frankly. No, no, I put, I actually put it into your stream on YouTube. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah, that one. 
Nice. So. All right, I'll check that out. But no, I, I like I I've been doing a lot of uh, archaeoastronomy things lately. Um, doing doing some photography around um, the American West, um, Native American sites that are astronomically significant, etc. But have you ever found any treasure? Treasure. Yeah, have you got have, well, especially you, Max, because you're you're a little bit more of like a mountain man these days. Have you ever stumbled upon? I, have you? There, there was the. Um, did you hear about this? Uh, this box of treasure that was hidden. Yeah. Somewhere, Doesn't and like and somebody... there was like this. There was this code written for it. I think so. Does somebody do that? Like there are multiple of those. Like every year. Like I feel like every spring, it's like, oh, there's a new box of treasure somebody hid. Like I know there's in Utah. Is there? Do they do it in Wyoming? I assume. Like. I don't know. Um. So no, okay, okay. Let me. I just think of, when I think of Utah and when I think of Wyoming, I think of the opening ceremony, the, the opening scenes in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when he's a a Boy Scout and like there, you know, you have this the American, the American West, just gorgeous countryside, and in some random cave somewhere, the Cross of Coronado is is has been hidden away for hundreds of years. I want to be on the heels of an artifact like that one day. I, so, I mean, that's actually a very popular thing in Utah, though. There are lots of old mines and caves and bunkers and stuff that you can go into. And like people will sometimes go into ones that are a little more tricky. Like I, it was like I follow a group on Facebook. It's like Utah Abandoned Mines or something like that. And it's just people who mm. post photos of like going into old mines that like you really probably shouldn't go into. But they find tools and working gear and like sometimes uh, like depending on what they were mining, they do find like little bits of stuff like I don't know what's really mined that much. I think garnets actually are pretty prevalent in like southern Utah or southwestern Utah, but they would find stuff like that sometimes. But normally what they would find is just like like the evidence of like accidents. Like there's a couple of ones where there's like, yeah, there's there's like a cave in and there's like a human arm bone that's been here a long time and it's like oh okay that sucks so that's why they're not in that cave anymore but it's i've i would like to do it and i think like you know if we ever need to retreat underground it might be nice to know about cave networks or bunkers or other such places near you but i that would be yeah that brings something else out for me i got an email from this uh this person who watches the show and they do a lot of their own their own broadcasts, and they appear on other people's shows and talk about certain types of mind control and satanic ritual abuse and all that stuff. But also going into the esoteric esoteric areas and um, interdimensional, extraterrestrial, all that stuff. And I was just given an email today about uh, something related to another show I did, and she wrote in to talk about and stressing. How there are mega, it's not just cave systems in Utah, that there are mega cities under subterranean under us that have been slowly caved out of the earth with these deep underground military bases. And to think about cities, cities, and we're thinking about what, what caves could we possibly camp out in if everything goes to shit? There's who knows what's under us. Another thing we got to find out. I um, there are at least a couple I, of places. I just here. posted, 
in um in in the YouTube chat uh the Forest Fen treasure, which was found in Wyoming in uh, uh 2020, but it was two million dollars worth of treasure that was hidden, and there was a bunch of um th- there was basically a codex of of hints that was supposed to guide you to the treasure. Um, and the person who found it, um, went to auction with the, the items and got $1.3 million in sales out of the, uh, the sales. Maybe they kept a few items. Um, but overall, like it was, it was hidden. It was actually discovered in Wyoming. I, it was, I believe it was discovered in, in, um, right off the border of the, um, dinosaur National Monument in um, Northwest Colorado slash. Well, know, where's South the link? Central Wyoming. Um, I thought I just. Um, it's not there. Just posted it in the the YouTube chat. But, yeah. Um, no, you know the 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 coolest thing I've or I think outside of like nice pictures and like the occasional animal bone or or uh like just stumbling upon like a ruin of like some old cabin the coolest thing i found in the wilderness is just been this knife here like it's not even that nice of a knife Wait, hold it up a little bit let me see you found that yeah well, like it's, well, it's a, yeah it's, it's like somebody's hunting knife you know I mean, from like CRKTs 5 years ago these aren't like they're not like the Cadillac know, yeah. knives but like they're they're decent yeah, I, I I found it and I saw like three moose immediately following and oh, you it was took a good their knife, day. like they wanted their knife back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would you take that from them? Yeah, man, they need that. <laughs> anyway, um, so is this your first Orthodox Christmas, you guys? I guess. Are you gonna do this every year? Uh, there's no, some dude that. There's a dude at uh, the open mic I play every uh, every Sunday, and he keeps inviting me out to do uh, Orthodox services with him. And I keep like being busy. It's not that I wouldn't go; it's just like I keep being busy, or like have a, a travel planned. You know, I'm out of town, so you know i might i might do more more orthodox christmases here but this is what i always tell people like we waste our christmas spirit way too early in the month okay this advent calendar that starts on december 1st is way too early like the 12 days of christmas are december 25th through january 6th okay i like that better i see here's the here's what i think i think that um there was a time not too long ago i know that especially up in my area, tri-state, Catholic, Italian types, um, it, it was a big deal until January 6th. Little Christmas is a used to be a pretty big deal, um, the arrival of the Magi and all that stuff. But <clears throat> I think this really comes back around to, again, consumerism. Um, I think that we have just like busted the, the most devastating nut ever, like a devastating nut. Because it is it, the consumerism focused all of its power on the buildup to the 25th for so, so so many years. This toxic kind of you know preyed upon 
economic Christmas that has nothing to do with the real reason why people would celebrate a religious holiday, no matter what the religion is. I just think that there was such a devastating nut that has been bust over the last 10, 15 years that we don't have the capacity to stay joyful until January 6th. I think we're just completely exhausted by the 25th, 26th. I definitely feel that. Yeah. There's no joy. At 26, we're hungover. Even when I wasn't working fucking 10-hour days every day since, like, Thanksgiving, like, I, I, I definitely felt like, like, everybody, like, I don't mind listening to Christmas music a little early or putting up decorations a little early, but, like, there's all of this, like, heaviness to the holiday that starts literally right after Thanksgiving. Like, it's... It's not even Thanksgiving, it's Halloween. Actually, no, yeah, if you work retail, they started playing Christmas music November 1st, so... (laughs) That's, that's, that's why they, that's what's fucking ruined us, is that they've started fucking, like, oh, immediately following Halloween, we're doing Christmas, and it's like, no, there's Thanksgiving in between. There's a whole Charlie Brown special that we can celebrate, (laughs) and there's music, and, and there's Indians, and, and we can... We can do our own thing for just another month before we fully settle into Christmas, right? Yeah. I, I remember they had the, um, this year they had brought out all of the, in Michael's, the arts and crafts store around here. Um, it was two weeks before Halloween. All the Halloween stuff and the Thanksgiving stuff were on clearance and they were already selling Christmas trees. I said to myself, okay, well, I understand that November 1st, everybody kicks it into gear. But you have you have two – I mean, you have they put all of the Halloween candy on clearance two weeks before Halloween. I said, wait a second. You, in the 90s or something, you're putting that on clearance the day after Halloween, the day before, last you know, last minute. You want to yeah. get just get all out of here. It, it's just so crazy. I don't know how far behind people are, but they don't even savor that there's a Thanksgiving in the middle of that. There's no sabering anything anymore. It's just, it, it, it's exhausting. It really is. I, yeah, the, the amount of consumerism, and there was a post earlier um, on Tumblr that I think Yim had, uh, had, had done up that was about the Z generation, the Zoomer generation having just this like leftist communist aesthetic to their entire lives. But also and, a heavily consumerist slant. Yeah, I saw the same post. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to scroll down for it right now because uh, I reblogged it as soon as I saw it. Oh yes, okay. So th- I reblogged this from Yimra, but it, it originated Andrea blog two. How did Gen Z fall victim to consumerism so quickly and to a point of absolute ridiculousness? In response, capacity says, self-esteem is subterranean, but if they can buy that pain away, they will do so. I think they're jarring. It's more jarring because they are larping as leftists. But if you point out that they will get very confused like you're telling them that not breathe air the dots don't connect for them it's very weird and i i can't agree with the sentiment anymore because like i've never seen a generation that's more addicted to consumerism more addicted to purchasing things in order to sate 
their self-esteem than Gen Z that is more ideologically committed to not producing things in a sense, right? Like you, you watch these like TikTok videos and it's like, I don't, I don't want to be like a, a, the stay at home girlfriend or, or wife while I make clothing items on Etsy and my husband or boyfriend goes to his programming job uh, that suddenly required him to show up at work and he makes six figures and like you're spending all day like having this anxiety about the whole situation it's like just enjoy it like you you get to be home like this is what i love about my job like i get to fucking be home most of the day and like take care of my shit and you know me me too I, i i write i write the show in the kitchen right now hopefully i'll have an office one day but i get to i see lauren and the baby all day take care of her here and oh, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, I'm, 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 part, I'm working right here, and usually the baby's running around in there, just you know, whatever. And then I go to the, I go to the studio at night, which is great because you gotta get out of the house, of you know. Yeah. It, I would go nuts if it was all in one place and I never left. So there's that. But as far as the Z's, the the Zoomers go, I think there's this. I think I don't know. They're addicted to status, and um, or or the at least the the makings of lifestyle. That's There's the never before been such a medium, I guess you could say, where you could deliver your status to other people and show it off. Like back in the day, and that's you just really it is. status, but it was like a small group of people you knew during the day. <clears throat> now it's everybody, everybody and... you can see it. On on top of that, add in this. Uh, I like. I hate to say this because like it's one of the things <laughs> where we get this YouTube channel taken down or get a strike against it. But the gender ideology about it all, like you you watch like these TikToks where it's like, oh, I'm I'm so I'm so androgynous. Either side, it can be male or female, and it's just like. People have been doing this for 50 years. Like, like there were dudes in my high school wearing makeup or, um, you know, eyeliner and stuff like that. There were girls wearing jeans and playing sports. It's absolutely not an indication that you need to get surgery no. to remove your genitals. I know. Sorry, sorry if I am going to get the fucking channel canceled for that. No, shit. listen, but, I like, have said worse stuff, man. Come on. No, you're not, not not for that. You, you have, I mean, my openings are terrible. It's when it comes to this stuff. Like, I here's here's where the delusion really goes. And I guess whenever you talk about Generation Z political trends, it really is. It's all oxymoronic. Just like the uh, the concept of the anarcho communist. Uh, what what are you talking about? You're the, what? What is that? How can you even? But they, it doesn't compute. And I think it's just um, as far as the gender stuff. I don't know how we are. I guess we're supposed to believe that over the last ten to twelve years, we, we that's the point where human humanity went into a really quick evolution. Like all of a sudden, we grew a tail in ten years. 
apparently <clears throat> it takes thousands of years for us to lose tails, to lose appendages, but it took us just 10 years for there to be so much more to male and female than we ever knew. Yeah. You know, it's like, have to happen in 10, 10 years? But these are the same people who tell you to follow the science for everything else. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And it's it's all very, it's very confusing. And of course, as you guys know, they're only ever taught that if you are to the right of, like, John Kerry, then you're a literal Nazi. And that when you are in school now, all you're ever taught is that the most noble thing to do is to be progressive. And if things are not working out, if, if inflation is high and if everybody's miserable and just things are going in the shitter, if things, if things are going wrong, it, it can't be the progressivism because that's, you know, anything else to the right of that is Nazism. So we have to keep going. So I think that's where the disconnect really comes in, that they have only been taught that there's one way of being a de- decent person and they're so obsessed with being decent, at least in on the surface that there's there's only one direction to go in and if things are going wrong it's because we're not going there fast enough you you make a really good point in that progressivism has this built-in narrative of inevitability which is to say that like there's only one track court uh track of history that we're moving towards and so like by by having this trajectory where you're just going to be always moving in this progressive direction and it's whatever the academic um you know cathedral decides you are going to be just fine obeying that um I, I i would say like if i just reach one you know teenager right now and say listen you want your natural born regardless of how you want to express your gender, okay, you need and you want your natural genitalia, however you've got them right now, okay? Just because you're 13 or 14 and have never had an orgasm or have never had an orgasm during sex or hopefully you've never had sex when you're At that point, better off. Um, But please, save your your chemical castration from uh, puberty blockers, save your surgical castration from, you know, sex change operations until you are a full adult and you know what you're getting out of those things because your body's telling you something. And just because you're in a really confused state right now, I mean, there was somebody saying, like, you know, this is the Gucci purse of, um, you know, middle class white moms, basically, is to have a transgender child. Yeah. Um, I know. This is what I don't understand, though, because, like, there's been long established and documented cases of, like, instances of children that, for whatever reason, have had issues during puberty where things don't turn on or don't develop like they should. And, like, every time the conclusion is, you know, once something during puberty is stopped that is supposed to keep going, you can't just start it back up after the fact. It doesn't work that way. If it does have any sort of, like, like, for example, 
growth plates in your bones, which, you know, usually for boys and girls will start at different ages. I think girls actually start getting taller, like younger. Think of your fucking rib cage and your spine yeah. and your organs, exactly. your, your heart and your lungs you and your liver. You're not developing. You can't pause that. Like when that happens, that's not like, oh, this, this just happens. And like that person, like, you know, is fine. Like they're not, they have severe disabilities and like, the fact that like people really honestly think you can just pause that with like a drug or surgery. And well, well I, I think, it's I like... think people are, they're most mistaken in thinking that you can pause the development of selective parts of your body. As you, yeah, like you're saying, exactly. you want to, you want to, you want to stop your dick and your balls from dropping and growing and all that shit. But what, what you're really doing is affecting the way that your organs develop. Like hey, you guys are bone, bone uh, development. It's everything. You're just dousing the entire body with hormones, and you can't selectively enforce where the the stopping is. Yeah. So, the interruption, yeah, I should uh, say. I mean, we we can have a big discussion. I I think it's worthy, and or or, or maybe it's not worthy. It's it is a discussion that can happen as to how our um, society can deal with people who choose not to identify and choose to bend gender um, social uh, identifications towards each other. Um, But harming and deleting and pausing the natural development of your body and the hormonal progression that you experience during adolescence as a human being is one of the most, I I can't think of a more harmful interference in a human's growth. I, I literally am trying to imagine like, I I hate circumcision and I think circumcision is horrible and should be outlawed. Um, but like, I, I don't think that is as harmful as, you know, uh, gender reassignment or pretty blockers or anything like that. You can't, you you can't compare the removing of a little foreskin to just ruining. I mean, just, you're just sterilizing a person. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's like you're, you're. I don't know. That's... I, I I do think one plays into the, uh, the into the other. I think conservatives need to have a really honest retrospection about the fact that they're so okay with modifying the genitals of all males. Um, in the in the aspect of of circumcision, mm-hmm. and saying that they're not okay with modifying the genitals of other children because they identify as the opposite sex. They they need to have an honest conversation and say I I hope they will identify at the end that they say no we we need to not modify the genitals of children period. We need to have um natural intact males and we need to fight against um you know pe- children who are being fed by 
media or other sources um the idea TikTok. that they need to yeah tiktok basically <laughs> they need to take hormones or have surgery yeah. to fulfill themselves uh, the routine infant circumcision in the united states is absolutely abhorrent it's it's heinous why we do it to every single male if Aurora, if Aurora were a boy, I I told Lauren I said no circumcision. If she's if she's a boy, like I I'm I've been red pilled enough on this to know it's not it's not happening. And, no, the, uh, nature nature and God has has made us just the way we need to be, right? And um, yeah, it's it's not right that that we need to slice off the you know. 16 inches of, of mature skin off of the male's penis. Well, I I mean, the thing that I don't get is the only thing that I hear from people is, well, it's for cleanliness and it's also for social acceptance because after a while, it becomes the norm and then if that's the only kind of cock a, a woman wants to see, you know? And then, and so you have you know, one thing that is completely vain and means nothing and then the other one, which is hygiene. Okay, well, are you taking showers? Yeah. Are you? What's what, what's so hard about this? I even I just don't. Uh, what's interesting I don't know because the hygiene argument comes from a very specific medical condition called phimosis. That like it's it happens, but it's very rare. And that's like that's like a situation where okay, the foreskin does not have elasticity, and like you have to cut part of it off simply so the child at that point can you know urinate and do other things like that because otherwise but that doesn't happen until puberty you, until puberty they, yeah yeah the foreskin doesn't even retract naturally until puberty okay well so. true but like even at that point still it's still that's a medical necessity it's not like oh it, it's just like you just you know it's harder to just wash it in the shower so you just it's like come on like <laughs> what do you, what do you, wait what do you mean it doesn't retract until puberty in a in a natural male progression um the the foreskin is fused to the head until puberty and it's not until puberty that and when the penis begins to enlarge and the and the testes begin to enlarge that the uh foreskin actually begins to become motile and retracts across the penis so, so then so, prior to that prior to that how you, you how don't you... even need to wash it it's it's fused to the gland oh it's fused oh, okay that's, I didn't know that. You mean you may fuse to the head? Yes, the to the head. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is this is why during so, circumcision they have to literally insert a scalpel and and cut the foreskin fusion oh. off of the glands right. and oh. then retract it and then burn oh. it off. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my this, god. This is why I say like uh okay yeah i was i was talking to my girlfriend tonight we were talking about uh we were watching a video about like why why are uh epic historical movies uh retreating in popularity and the person used um the last duel as their example of like a not well performing historical epic movie and i'm like there's there's three rape scenes in the fucking film like of course people don't want to watch that film. I will say like it 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 was a good film. It's a well-crafted film. Um but I will say it was one of the most difficult films to watch I've 
like I actually got to give a quick shout out to Lawrence of Arabia there, which is a fantastic movie that I love. But like, there's a good at least half no. That's from the seemed. that's from the fifties, right? Yeah, I think so. <coughs> We're talking different time period, or because no, that's that is an older one, like a classic one. But I just met there is a twenty or thirty minute scene in that movie where he is like sexually abused by Ottomans or Turks or something like that. Really? Yeah. I, I just, I've never seen the full thing. I so like <laughs> I hadn't either until like a couple of years ago, and I was just like, it might have been only like fifteen minutes, and like honestly, like it was for the fifties, it was like you know censored, you know, like nobody really got naked or anything like that, but it was definitely like they were definitely like, oh, we got ourselves a white boy, like, mm. and it was like at least it was a decent chunk of the movie towards the end that he has to deal with this, and it's like, oh, okay. <clears throat> Is, is made in is made in 62 okay um okay i guess i have i need to watch the whole the full version but i will say like it that as like a male trial hmm. versus <laughs> like a female like abuse when it's like supposed to be a character that you sympathize with mm-hmm. um or i guess any it is rated PG for 1962. Uh, I'm looking at right now. It's I, I I'd have to watch it to to see the difference between the two. But like watching like a full on medieval rape scene in um in in the last duel is significantly difficult for most viewers. Oh yeah. I I haven't seen this. I I actually mm. didn't finish that movie, but it uh. From what it's I... it's a great. It it is a very significantly. A like, achievement of film. That said, it is a very difficult film to watch. I don't think I will sit down to watch it anytime soon. Yeah. Again. Um, but like historical dramas are have fallen out of favor, or historical epics have have fallen out of flavor. What do you, What do you guys uh, think about Apocalypto? Very good movie. Oh, I love that film. Very good. Movie. I have to watch that again soon. But but some of that is hard, hard to watch too. It's oh, very the, difficult. The human sacrifice scene was that was rough. That yeah, was... Just everything because I I don't know you know it's just uh. You put these you put yourself in your shoes, that shoes, and that it's like all of a sudden you know what it feels like to be a you know a, a lamb about to be slaughtered, and yeah. it, it's just yo, know, not that hopelessness. I gotta say, people people say Mel Gibson is fucking racist, but like, have I ever felt more sympathy? Movies. Yeah, have I ever felt more sympathy for like you know like a mestizo person or or anything like that? Like I like I put. Like you immediately feel like you're that person, right? Like yeah. I, I, I couldn't imagine being more um, in that mindset. Yeah. Uh, or, or the stoicism of the the elder, the elder uh, men in his tribe that you know obviously don't make it very far into the film, but the stoicism in the face of death and uncertainty, and it, I, I, it, it's so. In, that's the, I think that's the most intriguing thing when I watch period pieces like that. How, how a death was just walking through another door, like you would walk into your kitchen. Yeah, it, there was there was nothing really 
frightening about it. I wish I had a more of a comfortable relationship with death like that. That I would walk through life like well, a. Okay, so we should get to the episode's topic for the night, which is the Christmas truce, the Orthodox Christmas truce, right? Which is to say that Ukraine's not obliged the Christmas truce, but that is interesting. So the Russians. I saw that the like, Russians have offered it. The Russians have offered it, and there was like the White House. I think came out today and said like they told the Ukrainians not to accept it because it was a ruse, and the Russians would use it to attack. And it's like uh, historically, that's not been the case with European conflicts. No. Like it's it's pretty much agreed upon that like Christmas is like timeout. It's unbelievable. I okay if 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 you want one of the only films that's ever made me like ball is uh Joyous Noyo mm-hmm. the uh and it's it's a French mostly French film about the Christmas truce of in World War 1 in 1914 and I absolutely love that film because what it goes through is the entire progressive status pentagram which is the the soldiers all start in school and they're they're reciting the opening scene of the film is that all the the young children reciting how the germans or the french or the english are these monsters who just want to conquer the world and hate human decency and and all this stuff and you get to the actual truce and it's the soldiers just singing the same song together it's just that they got to sing they're, they're sitting in the trenches they're cold they're covered in mud they're rotting as they sit and they just sing the same song together it's different words but it's the same melody of silent, silent night, night. And and they they realize that they're just brothers and the the retribution if if you ever needed to know what war is really about and I I'm just so I hate this so much. It's just that they had to literally split up all of the units. They had to scramble them and they had to decimate some of them. They had to literally try them and convict them and execute them for fraternizing with the enemy, for getting up and celebrating the common heritage of peace and love and fraternity that is Christmas. I like there. There's no movie that make or there's no film. Jo- Joy is Noel. If you guys want to watch it, there's there's no story. I can't even read it or think about it without starting to cry. Have Just, you ever? I, these I, I men that were this. were herded from birth like sheep through the system to kill each other, and then. They're there on the battlefield earning the glory that they thought they would get. And they realize that they have nothing but 
basic things in common with yeah. the people they're trying to kill. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, that's, it's that true was... everywhere. It's true everywhere. Absolutely. You know, I have not seen that that movie in particular, but I um I I love the story of the Christmas truce, obviously, and every uh, there's usually one show every December that I'll end by playing the Salisbury commercial. You ever see that one? It it it, it pretty much squeezes down. Oh, they, the story. they start playing football, soccer. Well, it squeezes down the entire story into like a two minute commercial. And it's Christmas Christmas Eve. Both sides hear the, the singing. They're both singing the uh the, the silent night between German and and uh, English and you just hear this big they're all singing together from their own trenches. And then the next day the white the little white flag goes up, one person surrenders themselves, another one does, then they meet in the middle start playing they have their day people are shaving each other obviously they're tending to the wounded and the and the dead and all that stuff and then you know as you said talking about who's home waiting for them uh they have a, a faith in common they have blood in common really if you go back far enough and then the distant exploding of shells that is just all always like that fucking statist tyrant demonic dinner bell that's always keeps ringing where you're calling people back from the humanity that we naturally just want to express to each other naturally that's that's what we want to go there's always bad apples out there but naturally this is what what we really want to express and to be friends and neighbors and to see that they're always like no calling them back to slaughter kill each other instead and for who and for what who who really benefited from those world wars um, it's just, uh, it's nuts. I would say, um, James Corbett did a lot of really good research and put out some great documentaries on like World War One and the, like what the three, the three it. part, yeah, the three part World it's War One by well James done. Corbett. It's awesome. I will not try to explain what he talks about because I do not have one one hundredth of the eloquence that he has, but it's it's a fantastic documentary. Everybody should listen to that. I listened to the podcast version. That's a three part. That's a three part series on World War One, and it is good. I have to listen well, to it again. I I would I would recommend um, the Great Wars uh, week by week um, podcast on the news, or like basically it's a week by week breakdown of all the battles, all the news that comes out of World War One, and I did that for four years. And it was really, really interesting. Hmm. I hope that they don't have, I don't have to wait 20 years to do the World War II version of it because when, when I, there's this hindsight of being a modern person where like you're looking back at these headlines and you're looking back at this, you know, these battles and these movements and everything like that. And you might understand in the initial few months of the action that, oh, you know, there's there's a chance that, you know, we could just, that they, they could just overwhelm um, the Russians or the French or the Germans or the Austrians or the Serbians, et cetera. Um, and, and, you know, they would just be able to enforce their way 
uh, on them and, and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you realize it's the war. It's just a war of attrition. And who has more people to die for them? And who has more limbs to sacrifice? And who can make the most steel? And who can make the most gunpowder? And who can grow the most radishes, basically? And at the end of that, you're just like, what was the point of any of this? World War II included. And I'm, I'm sorry to say, for all of my, uh, you know, Heb friends, uh, Juhadines of the Rocky, <laughs> we did not prevent the Holocaust in intervening in World War II. We saved a few hundred thousand. Which is great, but we still let millions die. It wasn't even a motivating factor because nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew about it until like forty four. I mean, so it's so you have you have to ask yourself what the hell's the war? What's what's really going on? Um, because, it, but then again, you think about the way that we're taught the Civil War in the United States. It's it, the only thing to talk about is slavery, and it wasn't really even. A, a gigantic no it wasn't wasn't even a motivator like think no. about the average confederate you know soldier like were they thinking about slavery it, it doesn't even enter enter state from stage left until two and a half years into the war now i know that there's everybody's going to always point to you know bickering and all that stuff and and some some fears on the subject although there's so much being being um done at the time but it, it i'm just saying to prove your point about um world war ii we only are ever given who the good guys were who the bad guys were and it, how how simple and how simple and um solely evil all the motivations are it's only that they only did it because they're evil you know, they, they all grew it. They, they they just hate, and they, therefore they go to war. You know, that's 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 all the stories we were told. Doesn't matter what era is war. It's crazy. I mean, most people don't even. You ask them about World War One, and our eyes would go crossed. Most people, if they know anything about it, they can just tell you that it happened. I don't think anybody can. The average person, I would say nine and a half out of ten would be able to correctly put all of the countries in their correct on their correct sides you know like allied and axis i think that almost 10 out of 10 average people i would even get fouled up from time to time still world well, war 1 I, I mean who who could even tell you it it'd be one in a 100 that they could tell you the accurate history of how um, the allies in Invaded Russia during the war to support the government, the the government to the white continue shirts. the war on on the Eastern Front. You know, like you go from one to ten to to one one in a hundred at that point, where it's just like, um, the 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 Germans were 
um, supporting the Bolsheviks just so they could get the Russians out of the war. They, they were like, we don't care what communism does in 20 years. We just want the Russians out of the war at this point. And then it, it leads to the first mass genocide mm. of peoples in the Holodomor before the Holocaust. And then you get the Germans emulating the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks were the nationalist socialist Russian Workers' Party, right? The, the, the German, the Nazis were the national socialist German Workers' Party, right? It's, they're the same token. Uh, I, I wrote an article for for uh, you about that. Um, and oh, if, you, if you did, it's it's still on the blog. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so like you know the, these movements that like you know it's just some desperate imperial government trying to prop up some ideological opposition to their opposition basically and here we get 70 million deaths out of it if you include you know china and and laos and cambodia and stuff like that i think it's like a norm mcdonald joke he made once where he was like history is written by the victors and isn't it just really lucky that the good guys won like every time I'm really glad that happened. <laughs> I mean, I, I I tend to ask myself, what the hell was the point of winning the war when you look at what what uh, our society has become just a few generations later? Like, what was this going to happen sooner, or was it, like we we started off our conversation here tonight about kids, you know, cutting off their peckers. Uh, was well, would, would that ha- would that no. have happened in 1950? Had we lost the war or what? Well, no. Here's the deal: like we we just had a slower decline into the Weimar part of the cycle. Seems okay, like. and and throughout all of human history, every single government has been uh, top right of the quadrant authoritarian right regime okay that is that is humanity's normal getting a center right regime like we might have in the u.s right now um is exceedingly rare getting a center left regime i don't think has ever existed um getting a top left regime authoritarian left regime um has existed in in those rare communist states, but doesn't last that long past industrialization. Um, like I, I I think there's there's two key factors in in how a society um, arranges its uh, monopoly and violence. Basically, like as as an anarchist, I I don't support the monopoly and violence ever, but I would say that. There, there's historically, or or et, or not ethnically, but like historically, there's two factors that most determine what structure your monopoly and violence will take, and that is your family structure and your marriage structure. In a monogamous society, 
and in an independent family society in which uh, you have males all or each uh, sibling, you know, each person inheriting equally, you will get a center right or maybe even libertarian right government like we had in the early United States. In a every brother inherits equally, um, but the family is arranged around um, like a, a system of uh, equal brothers. You'll you'll get the kind of French, uh, French. French system, which we see throughout Europe, basically. And then if you see a system where all the brothers live together under the same household, um, and the oldest brother inherits the most, you get a Russian slash Chinese system, basically, which is hmm. where you get communism out of. It's an authoritarian system. Those are really the only systems you get outside of Africa, which is just like uh, free-for-all husbands don't matter system. Wild card. Wild card system. You, you just don't know what's coming for you any day. Well, it's, it's a matriarch system at the end of the day because you, you get all the, the wives, sisters are all raising the village together and then which is also susceptible to communism basically, but um, yeah, though this is this is why I I think there's a really good point to harping on the nuclear family, which is like the husband wife family, not not the grandfather and his sons family, but the husband and wife family with his kids family, um, being the most important part of a capitalist structure. Um, I I think that that is the defining factor that human society leans towards um, a, a right of center capitalist system that that's that's what it goes for I, I just empirically I, I'm just looking at it from a scientific historical perspective well, well also... maybe go ahead Frank no no, I was you just, go. I was just going to say, well, if you also look at it like as humanity has trended towards that and has that has, you know, been prevalent, poverty on a global scale has also come down significantly and quality of life has also increased significantly globally as more countries have tended towards more right-wing capitalistic views and systems. Where do we, uh, where does the great reset come in? Trying to reset all that, my friends. Well, it's a what 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 do they want in the Great Reset, which is uh, a non a zero male involvement, you know, society, basically. Um, the state is going to be your husband and protector, and you are going to be an infinite renter, and all of that. Um, it, you're looking at a pre-colonial African society that's that's the structure where there's there's a a god king who mates with all the women 
There's war bands of men who go out and commit violence on behalf of the state um, so they, they can earn a token amount of sex. But the elites gain all of the sex in society and reproductive rights. Hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I think ultimately economically like hey, look at where south africa and zimbabwe are going right now like you know the the power outages and the the general decline in drinking water etc um is you know we might make all these uh not pc jokes about stuff like that but it's really comes down to economic structure and family structure where people are not incentivized to maintain or advance their own um personal gain like you 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 need young males invested in society outside of being war bands that's that's what monogamous you know sex culture creates I, I don't know how else to phrase it. I don't uh, know. I I uh, I'm with you on that one. I mean, I don't. I I learned a lot, but I agree just fundamentally that that's that's a basis. I mean, what, what, whenever you have somebody like a uh, communist regime or whatever that comes into a country, that's why the first thing they do is kill the family and kill faith. They always go after the church and they always go after pitting families against each other and even dividing people by race or, I mean, commies usually just, and I know that's in itself is a red herring, but um, those who ascribe communism or subscribe to it, it's always just about opening up old wounds and like being that toxic friend in a circle of friends that tries to get everybody to hate each other. So it's, I mean, the the family is fundamental. If you're going to destroy an entire nation or capture it, then you you've got to get rid of that family unit because then there's no loyalties. I I, I got to iterate though that like not every culture has the same family structure that we've had in the Anglo West. We are weird. We are Western educated, um, independent, um. I forget what the other uh, acronyms parts mean, but like, you know, we're weird compared to the rest of the world, which is, you know, like you, you got to look at it. just like, you know, the, the English and American empire took over the world for a reason. Um, we're most economically successful part of the world for a reason. And it's, it, I think it comes down to our family structure. It's radically different compared to even the French. You know, um, the the only other cultures that share remotely the the Anglo family structure are uh, like the Scottish and Germans and Norwegians, basically. The Russians. Uh, what are the Russians like? Russians are an authoritarian structure where all the sons live with the father, and their their wives live in the grandfather's household, basically, wow. up until the communist revolution. That's in, that's that's interesting, um, boys. I'm glad I got to spend this time with you, but I have to do some end of the day stuff. And you have been fantastic company. So you, man. Um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, talk to you soon. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs>
was I nice got a piece so bad, my oh, man. My I, I love I Frank. Should, yeah. No, I was going to say we should probably call it. It's been a great episode, but we're coming up on an hour and a half. So, yeah, everybody watching, um, I think the one thing, we don't normally get too serious here, but if there is any possibility of a truce in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine over Orthodox Christmas, I think that's a future we would all like to manifest. So, I think that's what we should think about. So, from myself, based Heisenberg, a.k.a. Rocky Mountain Juhadeen, and Max, a.k.a. Incaparato, stay safe and Merry Christmas. And... Taxi. 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 Tax